Welcome to The Thriving Christian Artist, the podcast where we hope you connect with God to bust through the roadblocks that have held you back for years, create the work you love, and really live the life you know God created you to live as an artist in His kingdom. I'm Matt Tama, your host. Let's get started. Well, hey, everybody. I'm so glad that you're with me on the podcast today. I'm so excited. I've got my friend Jordan Rayner with me, who is not only a cool guy, but is also a best-selling author, serial entrepreneur, and lover of Jesus. So Jordan, man, so glad to have you on the podcast. I'm thrilled to be here, Matt. I'm glad we could finally make it work. I know. Both of our <laughs> schedules are like so nuts. So. Seriously, yeah. I think <laughs> we've rescheduled this thing three times. <laughs> I know. I know but like, we're doing it no matter what happens. We're doing it. So really glad that, that you're here. I, you know, when your book came out, I had so many people going, have you read this book? Have you read this book? You guys need to meet or do you know each other and, and all that? So I think I'm excited about the conversation because yeah. I know there are so many things that we hold dear and maybe come at from different perspectives, but, yeah. um, you know, just excited to hear that. Tell everybody about kind of your journey because you've been a serial entrepreneur, mm-hmm. um, love the Lord, mm-hmm. really been used in that capacity for so long, but then also find yourself in the middle of creativity and artists and, and that yeah. sort of thing. So how'd you get here? Yeah, that's it. I'm still trying to figure that out. I'll, <laughs> I'll let you know when I've, when I've sorted it all out. Yeah. So I've spent my entire career starting and selling tech startups. So uh, my first love is actually politics. So if you want to go way back, I uh, love politics. First, really the only real job I ever had was when I was 17. I was running a political campaign, stayed on that path for a while, was working in the Bush White House in 2006. And um, that's actually kind of the experience that let me realize I really didn't care that much about public policy. I I cared about starting something from relatively nothing and winning. And that's true of politics and campaigns, but it's also true of entrepreneurship. And so uh, ever since I graduated college uh, back in 2008, that's pretty much all I've been doing is starting and selling a couple of different tech startups. And uh, I was in the process of exiting one of those ventures back in 2014. And we were selling it, we were selling it off to private equity and we were figuring out, I was trying to figure out what in the world I was going to do next. I had an idea for another venture that I was pretty sure I was going to start. Um, but, um, I went to a church planting conference at, uh, my church here in Tampa where I'm from and heard this guy on stage calling basically for entrepreneurs. He's describing what a successful church planter looks like. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is an entrepreneur. Maybe, (laughs) maybe God's calling my wife and I to go plant a church. And so we talked about it for a little bit. And thankfully, uh, I had some godly mentors in my life who were like, Jordan, this doesn't make any sense. You know you love starting businesses. You know you're gifted at it. You started a few. You've created a lot of jobs and a lot right. of wealth. Why do you think you need to go take those things and apply it to something that's fairly different, right? right. And, and, and at this point, this is 2014, five years ago, I had no concept of a doctrine of vocation, right? Sure, I had sure. never heard that my work as an entrepreneur mm. could be a means, much less the primary means by right. which I revealed the character of God and loved others and made disciples of Jesus Christ. Right. And so I had these guys, fortunately in my lifetime, me, no, you can do this. Uh, one of them gave me Tim Keller's Every Good Endeavor, which right. is the ultimate classic in this space, until he changed my life. Uh, mm. And so through that process, uh, yeah, I think Keller's book and some others give really good foundational doctrine of vocation stuff. But I started asking deeper questions about, okay, what, 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 
how does a Christian entrepreneur or a Christian artist, I, I really see creatives and entrepreneurs as the same thing. Yeah, well, sure. Agree with me, but I see it very similar. Only if you want to make a living, I tell people. Right, right, right. <laughs> Otherwise, you have a great hobby, and that's what it is. You know, that's exactly right. That's exactly. Right. Authors are entrepreneurs. Right, Artie, right. you are an entrepreneur, Matt. Uh, I don't have to tell you that. Uh, and so, yeah, I just started asking the deeper questions about. Okay, what? How does? How does the gospel impact? the launch and growth and scaling of new things, uh, of the creation of new things. And uh, I I went out and did my own research and then I just did a ton of interviews really personally. And then I kind of realized like halfway along the way, I was writing a book. I was like, Oh, I'm collecting all these things, all these stories. This is probably, (laughs) this is probably a book. So the book was like very accidental. Uh, And by the grace of God, it is, it's done. Um, uh, much better than than me and my publisher originally anticipated. My publisher was like, you know, nobody's ever succeeded doing a book on <laughs> creativity and faith. And, uh, but it's done really well. And it's been, uh, you know, it's amazing. People like you've come along that have been talking about this stuff for longer than I have. Uh, and a lot of the stuff I, I just hadn't read uh, yeah. when I was researching Call the Great. I guess a fairly poorly researched book, I guess. But no, it's been amazing to see so many people <laughs> equally excited about these topics and helping the church really deeply connect the gospel to their work and let that transform everything that they do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of my core beliefs that I've really come to over the years is that the nature of the kingdom of God is creativity, that creativity is how the kingdom gets manifested in the earth. I call it seeing and agreeing. You know, we see with heaven, we sense, feel here with heaven, and then based on whatever, you know, circle of influence, our design, wherever God's placed us in, culture that's how the kingdom gets you know released through us when did you start to realize that that was really the mode of how the kingdom works as opposed to this kind of thing of well i'm going to go over here and do my thing and then ask god to bless it yeah yeah talk about that differentiation. yeah that's 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 a good question so i think there were two kind of trigger events in my life for that you know number one was the episode i just right to in this kind of big left-right pivot moment in my career, or potential pivot moment uh, in my career. The second was, um, so th- this venture that I was running just before that is this venture called Citizen Investor, which is a great concept. We had a terrible business model. We didn't figure that out quickly enough, which is why we had to sell it, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the venture was all about, it was a crowdfunding platform for civic projects, right? right. So we partnered with cities. So the city of Philadelphia was a customer of ours, the city of Tampa. We had about a hundred cities as customers all across the United States, right? And um, we were empowering citizens to raise money for parks and pools and playgrounds to make their cities better. And I, I, I think, I, you know, I think it was the grace of God that I was, I was working on that business at the time because that was such a tangible representation right. of building up of a kingdom. We were helping yeah, people sure, build sure. up cities. And I think it just like helped me get it faster, right? It's like, mm. oh yeah, like this venture is not overtly evangelical at all. We never externally really talked about our faith in a meaningful way, but I think what we were doing was helping people build cities and that's what we're going to be doing forever on the new earth. Right. I I think scripture uh, alludes to that fairly clearly that we're going to continue to work and create culture and build and and do these things. So yeah, that was kind of the big moment for me was making that connection at the time that I was recognizing that my work was inherently meaningful and eternally significant. Yeah, because don't you think, I, I find this with artists a lot, you know, in the circles that I'm in, people talk about 
secular art versus prophetic yeah. art or sacred art. And I'm always trying to get them to blur those lines and go, yes. no, 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 no. <laughs> it's all the kingdom. If we create yes. great work and yes. we release that, then it's the beauty of the mystery then at that yes. point that God can come and move over. And I think, and I, I'm obviously interested in your take on this. I'm, I'm really nervous about anything that we try to relegate to, well, I did this and then this many people got saved and oh, therefore yeah, yeah, it's yeah. valuable or it's not valuable. I mean, because yeah. the kingdom of God I find is so much larger than that little estimation of it, it produced this. And so now it's valuable and da, 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 da. I hate that. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I think this is like a bigger conversation Absolutely, <laughs> that the church needs to be having. Right. So, you know, two, two thoughts on this, you know, number one, Jesus spent, you know, a decent chunk of his time in his ministry telling stories and very rarely within a public setting, right. uh, drawing the line between this parable and the meaning behind the parable. Right. He kind of left it for his audience to unpack. It was a great piece of art. Jesus was first and foremost an, an, an exceptional storyteller, right. and he left it to his audience to really unpack what that story meant. And sometimes you know, he would unpack it, but usually he took the disciples off to the side. He's like, hey, that parable I just told the 500 people over here, here's what it actually means. But it, it usually wasn't unpacked for that full audience. The second thing is, you know, I think this is, and maybe this is just, you know, Western Christian culture that's been very corporatized, but, you know, and I, and I grew up, I grew up in Southern Baptist churches. And I think this, this problem is particularly pronounced within that denomination, a denomination that I'm still a member of, uh, is this idea that everything that we do has to save souls. Right. Every artifact we create has to be for the explicit purpose uh, of, of, of bringing people to saving faith in Christ. And I just don't believe that. I think we reveal, uh, you know, take take the quote unquote Christian film industry for a second, which I'm 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 taking on pretty headstrong in my in my next book to my publisher chagrin. Uh, <laughs> you know, the movies that explicitly produce the gospel. It should be shocking to nobody that they are produced for Christians by Christians, and the right. only people that see these films right. are Christians. Christians. Right? We're <laughs> not we're not actually like extending the gospel of like saving. Right lost people through these films right but 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 there are films that are made by christ followers and a lot of films that are are, are not made by christ followers that have deeply gospel-centric messages stories yeah. about good and evil and these cultural artifacts are attractive because they are first and foremost masterful pieces of right. art right? right and we the church i believe regardless of what our vocation is our job is to use that as a point of entry with the world to say yes we can share that we love the line the witch in the wardrobe let's unpack the deeper meaning and, right. and how i interpret that piece of art to help you better connect the gospel to your life do you know what i mean like i i, I think i think that's a I think that's a far more uh, effective means of sharing the gospel. And I think, I just don't think that art was intended to have an agenda. Right. I, I think the artist might have an agenda, but the moment that the artist's uh, agenda clouds the art form and overshadows mm -hmm. the art form, I think we make really crappy products uh, and that are winsome to nobody. Yeah, absolutely. I think because, you know, when you can allow the art that you're creating to go into the marketplace and do the work, with no strings attached and say, Father, I'm releasing this and I trust you that you're going to take this and do with it. 
what you wanted to do, and I'm going to take my hands off the result. I, th I think that the reason that makes the church and, and many Christians nervous is because it's all based in mystery, right? We're, right. we're saying, God, I'm going to let you do this thing, and I'm not going to put my agenda on it. And that becomes very nerve-wracking for an organization, I think, that, that really rewards, um, you know, people being all the same, people following the rules, yes. doing life together. Yes. And the artist is, uh, is not that person. And so I'm so glad, though, that many churches are starting to get this and yeah. believers are starting to get this and bring that DNA to the church with real results. I think that's, I've gotten a hard time over the years from people that, you know, saw me start out as an artist who was speaking primarily in the church to one that speaks primarily in the marketplace. And yeah. they're like, well, Matt, don't you have a, a heart for the arts in the church and arts in worship and all that? I'm like, yeah, but I've spent so many years trying to knock on the door going, right. will you guys ever get it? And right. I felt like what the Lord said is, you know what? Just go do the thing right. <laughs> that I created you to do. Right. Let the fruit be produced and then come back and show them the fruit. Right. Because then you don't have anything to, you're not trying to sell anybody. You're not trying okay. to convince anybody. You're just saying, Hey, this is what God did. And you can make up, right. you know, your, your mind, what you want to believe at that point. So, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's very well said. And I am encouraged. Yeah. I do think, um, I do think the church is starting to get, yeah, I get do too. this, right. I, I, I see it more and more everywhere I go, everywhere I travel, everywhere I speak. Um, I don't know, just more and more people, at least have a baseline doctrine of vocation, like right. understand. And I think part of this is just like woven into the DNA and the way that God has created us. We just, we just innately feel as if our work, whatever that work is, is important, right? right? Especially for artists and creators that are imaging, you know, the creator God, right? I think right. we understand that. I think, I think, yeah, there's a lot of other follow-up questions that come after that, that the church as a whole, we need to continue to unpack together. And that's, uh, yeah, I know, I know we were talking before, uh, before we hopped on, hopped on the call. This is why I'm now dedicating my life to this work. Right? Yeah. I was, you know, I have, uh, I'm, I'm still an entrepreneur, right? I'm still starting, starting something, but I'm focusing a hundred percent of my time and energy now on my writing and on my speaking and on helping the church uh, more richly unpack these ideas because I think it's, uh, I think it's worth somebody spending 20 years doing this work. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I, I just was thinking of a story when I, when I moved to Asheville, I was serving as a worship leader at a church and uh, we had just moved to the area and one of the elders, uh, great folks had us over for dinner. And I remember him, he's a country guy, you know, kind of a construction guy and, yeah. you know, not cut from the same cloth as, as sure. me. And um, we're sitting there talking, and, so you want to be an artist, huh? And, and you're in ministry. And the question obviously came to, well, what in the world does right. this have to do with ministry, with saving souls, with all that? And I've talked to so many artists where, you know, that's become a huge roadblock for them. What are some of the other roadblocks that you've seen for people in stepping into this, this reality that, Hey, God's designed you with a purpose. He wants to use you in the marketplace mm -hmm. to release his kingdom. What's, what's some of those other roadblocks that you're, you're seeing with people? Well, Hey, there's Matt. And you know, one of the things that I found over the years in working with artists is that real lasting change in our life happens best in the context of supportive Christian community. And that's why I wanted to take this opportunity just to take a second and invite you to be a part of my online community, 
called the Thriving Christian Artists Facebook group. Listen, this group is absolutely free and over the years has actually grown to thousands and thousands of artists in just about every creative medium from countries all over the world. You know, the cool thing is that it's become a real place of encouragement and life for artists, just like you and me, who want to share their work, share their life, connect with other artists, and really pursue everything God has for us as artists in his kingdom. Now listen, to join, all you have to do is just click the link in the show notes here and answer a couple of questions just to let us know that you're a real person, and bam, you're in, okay? So listen, I can't wait to connect with you inside of my Thriving Christian Artist Facebook group. Do it now, and we'll see you there very soon. All right, bye. I think the biggest one, you know, being being a Christian and being in the marketplace, I think the biggest roadblock, the biggest challenge that the church faces is, you know, this unique tension Mm. that Christians hold between hustling and working really hard to make our ventures and our efforts successful – uh, and coupling that, it, you know, it's a paradox. Coupling that with the truth that the Bible tells us, we don't produce results, mm, right? We, we we cannot take credit for the fruits of our labor. And that's a unique tension that the Christian has to hold that the non-Christian doesn't, right? Yeah. The non-Christian yeah. can hustle, hustle, hustle all day long. Now, they are going to be burnt out and they're going to be anxious and they're going to have a much uh, greater sense of worry to which the gospel is the only answer, and hopefully right. the church is equipped to provide that answer. But for the Christian, I think the biggest challenge, especially for creatives and entrepreneurs and culture makers, is living within that tension, recognizing that yes, God is the one who produces results. He is the one I ultimately have to trust in, uh, but also fulfilling scripture's command in Colossians 3.23 to work heartily as working unto the Lord and whatever sure. we do. And, and, and that's, I think that's a, that's a lifelong dance between those two concepts. And I think in order for Christians to find deep, true rest, which I think we're all craving for in this you know, digitally obsessed 2019. Uh, I think I think you gotta. I think you really gotta figure out how to do both of those things, both trust and hustle, in order to find uh, the the in order to have the ability to step back and rest on a regular basis. Yeah, you know, I love it in the Message Bible where it talks about you know, come to me, you're all who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. It the the phrasing there it says basically step into my unforced rhythms of grace. Mm-hmm. And that's I, great. I found that to be so true in my own life that when I was into the hustle and grind and trying to make it happen to myself, yeah, you get a measure of fruit, but you also get, you get burnout. But as you begin to operate by the spirit, you realize that everything that's of any value comes out of intimacy with him. And as I learned to walk in the favor that God gives me in my life and pursue the divine appointments, you know, walk with the strategy that's birthed out of his heart, not out of just my ideas. Right. you start to realize that, Hey, it's kind of like surfing. It's God that creates the wave. I'm here to ride the wave. And if at any point I'm trying to create the wave, it's not going to work out. Paddling to try to make it happen. And and, um, I've done enough of that in my life and I'm trying to help others just like you are. And uh, you know, try to, to move from that grinding it out to, as my friend Shay Bynes says, it's grace over grind. Right. 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 Have you, but it is both. Yeah. It is both, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. think that's, that's so. I think I think the church can have the tendency to go the other way, right? I think, and I think it's really dangerous when we are uh, when we latch on to this. Ah, it's not about the grind. Let go and let God. It's like, nope, 
that's not what scripture <laughs> does, right? Like we are called, we are called constantly in scripture to work hard and to work diligently. I think, yeah, I, I think Shay's got it right. I do think it is uh, prioritizing grace over grind, but it is grace and grind, right? Yeah. It is trusting and hustling uh, in order to be the most effective uh, Christ followers in this world and culture creators. So, yeah, I think you know, anytime people, I think the issue, especially for artists, comes down to that. Are you taking the weight of that right. on yourself right. or are you able to, to work diligently? And I mean, you know, I'm in the studio at every day, eight o'clock. I'm here till four or five o'clock. I'm making baskets. I'm making sculpture. I'm, I'm doing the stuff. Right. But there's a marked difference. I think for somebody walking in grace where I can do the things that God's called me to do with fervor and with diligence and all that. And yet, I'm not taking the weight on it. That is, I'm not defined by it. Correct. And I think that's the big differentiation for a lot of folks is that they feel defined by their ability or inability <laughs> to work hard, produce that sort of thing. And it's like, you know what? If you'll be faithful to what God's called you to do, yes, get in there, put your hand to the plow, do the stuff every day. God's going to be faithful to bring the increase. Absolutely. And I think, you know, only when you understand that and you yeah. grasp the gospel's implications for your ambition, right? Mm. And really understand that it's not up to you ultimately to make your venture successful. I actually think when you get that, you actually are more ambitious, right? Yeah. You, and you can actually create with more freedom because yeah. now you've got nothing to lose, that's right? right. Now, well, it's his story, right? We're just a part of that, right? That's exactly right. But when we are operating out of a sense of, I have to make this work, and or we would never articulate it this way, but in order for me to maintain my significance yeah. <laughs> and for my existence, right? I, I do think we operate as if we believe that. Yes. Then you're constantly operating out of a sense of, fear right i've right. seen this in my in my own career as an entrepreneur before yeah and i still don't get this but i get it a lot better than i did five years ago but five years ago when i had this venture that was winding down and it wasn't working i was devastated i couldn't talk about it with others uh because my identity was so wrapped up in the yeah. success or failure of that venture i couldn't handle i didn't know how to process that and frankly i missed a massive opportunity to preach the gospel to myself and to non-christians and christians yeah. around me by saying yeah. you know what this venture didn't work but i worked my hardest and okay, on to yeah. the next thing. And my yeah. identity is secure. I still have my family. I still have my health. I still have all these good things that God has given me. Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? right. And, and what a massive opportunity I miss. I, it's one of the biggest regrets of my life and my career is like missing out on that. Uh, and it's a big part of the, my motivation for, for helping others, you know, not make that same mistake that I did. Absolutely. I, I totally get it. I mean, sonship, identity, being founded and grounded in that is, is the basis for everything you know, I, yeah. we teach and try to try to tell artists to do because otherwise you get into a performance-based living and, and uh, it's a sure recipe for, <laughs> for frustration. So for those people out there, Jordan, who are like, well, I don't want to be like that. I want to live, a, <laughs> be a healthy, you know, person. I want to go for everything that God's got for me. What would you say would be some signposts, some real keys in moving into that kind of flow and recognizing that, Hey, God has called me to create. And yeah, I want to do that in a, in a way that's faithful and not uh, frustrating and not performance-based? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. Yeah, I think, 
I think there's a couple of marks of somebody who's who's really getting this on a regular basis. And I do think these are regular disciplines, and it's not going to be anything that's rocket science to, to anybody, but being in God's word every day, being reminded of those truths, being in a community of other like-minded believers yeah. and ideally other culture creators that can help renew your mind on a regular basis as to uh, your motivations for creating as opposed to everybody else that you're competing with, right? Uh, and one thing I found, and, and I really just started to practice this when I was writing called to create and it's really become uh, an, a critical piece of, of, of my life and my ability to maintain this perspective is, is actually taking a Sabbath, right? And, and Sabbath like rest. I, I wrote a piece for the gospel coalition a while back. Uh, the title was um, the Sabbath as a sermon to the ambitious. And I really believe that I think about that a lot, actually. Like I think when we take a full day to try as hard as we can not to think about things that are productive, which I never succeed at, but I try my best. We don't, you know, we don't don't talk about work with our spouses. I don't check my email. I'm very rarely on my phone, although I'm pretty much never on my phone anymore. Anyways. um, But, but being able to do that preaches to myself, most importantly, the gospel. It's a reminder that, yes, I could spend today being productive and producing, but um, I'm going to trust that this thing is in the Lord's hands and I'm ultimately not responsible for the results. And thus I can take a step back and I can take a breath and I can enjoy the rest that comes with that. And I think, you know, Sabbath helps us preach that to ourselves. And I think that puts us in a better position to be able to preach that in a winsome way to others. You know, I found, uh, you know, we were talking before for the last three years, I've been running a very well-funded tech startup down here in Tampa called Threshold 360. And I found many instances within that business of being able to talk to my non-Christian employees about why they are working 90 hours a week, seven days a week, and, and, and actually encouraging them to work less. I was CEO of this thing, you know, counseling my direct reports to work less. And that was a totally foreign concept to them. They wow. didn't understand that. And I was able to unpack for them. Like this, this is why, this is why I can do this. Right. Because I know that the success of this venture isn't everything for me. Right. And that, that man, what a, what a powerful way to help other people see that the gospel is not just a ticket to heaven, but it's something functional and day to day that can transform, uh, you know, their life every day of the week. Right. Well, I think um, most people, and I think many Christians, most Christians, I would say <laughs> live out of that kind of, kind of mammon based system, which says it's all based on me. My yes. hustle, my grind, yes. what I do, yes. if I don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. And yes. that stands in direct contrast to the New Testament where it says yeah. there remains for us a Sabbath rest that we can yeah. walk in full provision, in full authority, in full protection, in full sonship, you know, receiving and uh, everything that God's created for us and walking in that assignment. I, it, it's just such a stark contrast. And yet, you know how it is. People get so nervous, especially Christians, when you start equating the kingdom of God and how it works with business and finances sure. and that sort of thing. But you're like, listen, Jesus talked about money just about more than anything right. he talked exactly. about. Because if your whole life is focused on you trying to go out there, run around getting money yeah, uh, because you believe that you're the only one that can make it happen, that stands in direct opposition to what Jesus came to do, which is to give you yeah. life and life more abundant. And um, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Let me, let me just say, let me just say one more thing. You asked for some, uh, 
you know, practical resources for people trying to make this connection on a more regular basis. So, um, you know, I, I think you know, in, in, in my book called to create, some people argue with me on this, but I actually don't think it's that practical of a book. Like, I, I think it's a good, I think it's a good, for, and it really wasn't meant to be. It was meant to be, it was meant to answer the why question for yeah. the Christian creative and entrepreneur, right? Uh, my next book will be far more practical. Uh, but one thing I do think is a great practical resource uh, is from the guys at Praxis Labs uh, in New York. They have this thing they published called The Rule of Life for Redemptive Entrepreneurs. Mm. It was actually written by Andy Crouch, who wrote Culture, uh, who wrote Culture Making, one of my all-time favorite books. Uh, it's so good. It's a very, very simple, I think it's like five rules that they ask Christian creatives and entrepreneurs to adhere to on a regular basis one of those practices is sabbath rest another is tithing and, and a few but a few things that are like really unique for right. christian entrepreneurs and culture creators. i think it's i think it's exceptional i send it to everybody i sent it to my whole email list uh, a few <laughs> months back so i'm a big big fan of that resource so awesome awesome well we'll definitely have to find that and put it in the link to the uh to the podcast here yeah. but you know it's I'm so excited all over the world and in every different niche and community, God is raising the flag about creative creativity and his creative nature, yeah. because I think it, the days are over. I'm hoping they're over where we think the gospel is only about your ticket to heaven and then hold on till Jesus comes and nothing right. else is happening in between. People are starting to wake up to the fact that, Hey, the present reality of the kingdom is right now. Yeah. And uh, just like Jesus died for you to go to heaven, he died for you to live the abundant life now and be a vehicle of transformation uh, in the earth, wherever you are. So Jordan, thank Amen, you so brother. much for, for your work and, and all that you're doing Tell us where, where they can uh, get in touch with you and connect further. Yeah, sure. Uh, Jordanrainer.com is the best place. J O R D A N R A Y N O R.com. If you head there, I got a free devotional that goes out every week for Christian entrepreneurs and culture creators uh, and a bunch of other free resources that you awesome. can get right there. Good stuff. Well, yep. Jordan, thanks again. And everybody, as you're listening today, be sure to go to his website, check him out there, get those resources. And um, I know there'll be a huge blessing in your life. Jordan, thanks a lot, man. Thank you, Matt. Hey, thanks so much for spending a few minutes with me today on the podcast. Listen, I hope it's been a huge encouragement to you on your journey as an artist. Hey, also, before you leave, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of the other episodes of the Thriving Christian Artist Podcast. And also, be sure to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or at my website, which is matttommymentoring.com. Until next time, remember, you were created to thrive. Bye-bye.